Well, hello, everyone. We're waiting to get our video back up here. Uh, but uh, I'm Christian Napier and uh, host of the Teamwork A Better Way podcast. Here we go. Now we're split screen. Uh, we, we've got some video challenges here with, with LinkedIn, but we're trying to get those ironed out. And it's a pleasure to be with you with uh, my recovering co-host who's uh, not feeling 100% at the moment, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you? Yeah, doing. Lost my voice this last week with a bout of bronchitis. Had to do a lot of speaking, but mostly it was the coughing that made me lose my my uh, my voice. Yeah, feeling better now though. Well, I'm glad to glad to hear that you're slowly on the mend. And apologize for these uh, uh, delays in the video and stuff. We had some technical issues um, getting connected to LinkedIn. So hopefully those will resolve quickly. Uh, we have an important topic to discuss today, as we do uh, in every episode. But, uh, you know, a recent article in the Financial Times kind of piqued my interest, Spencer. Uh, the article was entitled, uh, Pandemic Era Graduate Struggle with teamwork, says Deloitte and PwC, uh, was written by Michael O'Dwyer uh, in, and published, uh, oh, I don't know, it was, it was several weeks ago in the, in the Financial Times, uh, describing the impact of COVID on recent college graduates who had a largely remote learning experience uh, and their lack of development in certain soft skills or power skills, as our friends in the Project Management Institute uh, uh yeah. talk about them uh, but you have actually seen this trending for a while spencer it's not necessary maybe the COVID 19 pandemic exacerbated the situation uh but this has been going on for some time so what was your kind of instant reaction to the article as you read it well it it made perfect sense and you know these are the the big four accounting firms are hiring thousands of college graduates I think collectively uh, a year, like almost 3,000 college graduates. And so they are definitely seeing the impact of, of college leavers who are coming into the workforce that are not prepared to do the work in an environment that the employer needs. Now that's, that's frustrating. And certainly there is a correlation between some of the skills that they're lacking today and the experiences of college students that had to be, who basically have a COVID hangover, right? I mean, we, we need a teamwork revival. We need a communication revival, which is the title of, of today, because that's what employers are demanding. They have a need for client-facing uh, employees and associates. And what they're finding is that these employees are afraid to speak up in meetings. They are nervous to present uh, and you've got to make presentations to partners, to peers, to clients. And this is just a part of every everyday work. And so that's something that is is, is desperately needed. And so these companies are, are responding. But you're right, Christian. You, you know, I have been noticing this. This has been a problem I think people have been complaining about since 2014. And I think, you know, the COVID hangover uh, certainly made it worse. But these same soft skills employers all over the world have been saying are lacking in college leavers for, for many years, almost a decade. And, you know, there's, there can be many reasons 
I just know that they, that they exist. And, and I think part of the, the uh, culprit is, I mean, if you think about what happened during COVID, we relied on technology and Zoom meetings. We were not actually face-to-face with people. We didn't have those opportunities to receive feedback and see how people are, are responding. Sure, on, on Zoom, I can see you and I can get a sense for how you're responding. But there is, there's something that is lacking when we don't have the access to mirror neurons when we're face to face. I mean, there's something that happens when, when we are with people that we uh, become more aware of how we're impacting them. And I think that that's, that's something that has been lost. And if you look back to 2014, it's not only Zoom and, and remote meetings, it's our technology and people who are, are not talking face to face, but we're texting and we're emailing and Again, we're using technology, and as a result, many of these power skills are atrophying. Well, I remember back, uh, you know, many years ago when cell phones uh, started appearing, right? Yeah. And and text messaging became prevalent, and there was pushback on the use of cell phones in meetings, right? You would be sitting in a meeting, and somebody would be looking at their phone, and you know, or they would get a message and they would respond to it. And so they weren't fully attentive in the meetings. I think right. that's evolved now with the remote meetings you have, uh, particularly if there are uh, meetings with a large number of people, uh, the tendency to just turn your video off. Like you can completely switch off and not have any kind of visual connection with a person in a meeting that you are, you know, you are, you're you're there but you're not there because you can't even see the person's face you know whereas uh you know back in the day and i don't want to turn into the get off my lawn boomer person here but (laughs) but back in the day i mean you had to if you were invited to a meeting you actually had to be physically present in that meeting you had to you you know at least appear like you were actively interested and engaged whereas now you you know you don't really need to even do that you can you don't even have to show your face Hey, I mean, you, know. you can't tell if I'm texting right now or, or, or surfing, you know, I got my phone, I could be down here and you, you wouldn't even know. Right. But, uh, <laughs> so, so it's interesting that for, for all, for many reasons, you know, cultural technology, those skills are atrophying and they're still in demand. I mean, cl- corporations are still needing these skills and they're needing people to come out of college with those skills. And because they're not there, they have to take matters into their own hands. So what do we, what do we see PwC and, and Deloitte and, and, and KPMG, what are they doing? Ernst & Young, you know, they're taking some of their senior managers that have those skills and they're offering them reassignment. They're taking them out of the workforce, which is crazy that they have to now take those people out of workforce develop coaching skills. They're actually giving incentives to them to develop certain coaching skills. And then having those internal senior managers coach the new employees on the skills that they need to be successful, which I think is actually brilliant, but a huge cost. But it speaks to the to the to the need or the demand for those skills. Yeah, it makes me think back to my experience with IBM. You know, I worked on a project up in Seattle for over a year. My boss at IBM, 
happened to live here in Salt Lake City and, and we would often commute on the plane together. So I would have opportunities to sit down with him. I could pick his brain. Yes. Uh, we'd rent a car. I'd see him in the office all the time. We would have lunch. We would have dinner. You know, I had a lot of opportunity to interact with him. And even though he wasn't formally a coach or a mentor, uh, he was that way to me because we had a lot of time to interact just because we were in close physical proximity. Now, you might get an hour a week, maybe remotely to have a conversation with your boss. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very, very different. And so I understand the, the, the desire for organizations like PwC, like Deloitte to say, you know what, we need to, you know, the current, the current working environment may not allow for our recent college graduates to have that kind of intensive uh, engagement with mentors naturally the way it used to happen. So now we have to manufacture it, right? We, we, you know, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and so that's what they're doing as, as you say, at great cost. And what if you're not Deloitte or PwC? What if you don't have that kind of uh, resource to say, well, I'm going to pull out my high performers and dedicate them you know, give them a two-year assignment to coach uh, to coach the up-and-coming uh, recent uh, hires. You know, well, that's, what do you do? So that's that's a great question, and and some some of the organizations I know are bringing in outside coaches or coaching their people. I mean, I'm coaching clients right now on many of these uh, on many of these skills because the up-and-coming, you know, the advancing leaders themselves are needing to develop those. So those aren't necessarily uh, uh, people who came out of COVID, but they too need those skills. And so it's, it, it, it's, it's so pervasive that organizations, if you're ignoring it, you know, your, your ability to, to meet customer demands is, is really going to struggle. My son right now is uh, helping pay for his own college by selling solar in Florida. And he has, this is the first year that he's doing this. Now he's done summer sales for several years and he's worked very, very hard to learn the craft and to be able to talk to strangers and adults. I mean, he's 23, 24 years old, you know, college age. And so he goes into complete strangers houses and makes presentations on, on solar technology. And, and you know, what he has are what we call setters that people that will contact prospects and set up an appointment for a, a closer and he says the setters do not that they're not even dealing with any objections they're not explaining what it is it's, hey there's somebody going to come by later to talk to you about this thing and he shows up and they have no idea what they're talking about and so that is excuse me that is harming his ability to you know meet uh meet the demand so they have to go now and train and develop and just the basic communication skills and so it's not just you know what we're talking about big four accounting firms sales firms construction companies healthcare, any organization that requires people to collaborate to solve problems to meet demands of patients of customers of clients 
has to have these these skills. So where do you get them? Well, you may have to send people to workshops. But I think one of the best things to do is be able to provide. I mean, I love the, the, the PWC model where they have internal coaches. And the reason why that's really good is because you're going to be able to have real life examples and, and role plays that are relevant to the work that they have to do. So bring in a coach that can, that can do real live uh, role plays and, and not just come in and do theoretical com- you know, communication. It has to be immediately applicable to the work that these employees are doing so that once they done, they're done coaching, they can go out immediately on the floor and apply what they're learning. I think that's uh, I think that's really important if you're thinking about doing any type of coaching or training. Does it have an immediate application for uh, productivity on the floor? You know, I also think that uh, in some respects, you know, it's been more difficult for especially newer employees in this remote or even hybrid environment. Yes. to also showcase what they've learned and 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 be seen you know and and to your point i don't think you've got to be a big four accounting firm or fortune 500 corporation to do these kind of things and and i just go back to my own experience being an entrepreneur uh, having my sons work for me at different points in time and you know i, I I'm just Mr. Small Business here, you know, startup guy. Uh, but, you know, being able to, for example, you know, I, 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 I was managing a project for the Tokyo 2020 games, uh, delivering remote, simul- no, consecutive interpretation services for non-middle round press conferences. And uh, I was able to bring my son along to help me in that project. And it was, it was a, it was an opportunity, not just for him to do this work, but to be in front of people in Tokyo who do more work like this. And because he was able to actually showcase some of his skills, they were so impressed with what he did that they offered him a job a full-time job after that gig was over. And it was because he had a client-facing opportunity. I honestly wonder if he would have been able to showcase his skills in a pure remote setting if he wasn't there in person every day and and then gain the trust of, of people. You know, so, you know, I think they they're kind of getting shafted in two ways. Number one is they're not really, they don't have the skills. And then number two, they are not given real opportunity to showcase those skills to people that could potentially be in position to help them advance their careers because they're behind a screen. People Yeah, you couldn't be more more right. And think what that did to your to your son's confidence to be able to have that, you know, that that affirmation that he was doing a, a great job. 
And that's, you know, one of the ways that, that confidence is, is reinforced and, and built. And it's something that a lot of these candidates that we're talking about are lacking. They lack the confidence to speak up. They lack the confidence to showcase what they know. Now, what they do have is the ability to work independently. No surprise there, right? And, and so in a hybrid workplace, that's, that's not a bad thing. But to your point, it is a bad thing if you're not showcasing your abilities and what you can, what you can do for the firm. And so when opportunities come up, you're not top of mind. Why? Well, because you're not speaking up. And so they don't know what, uh, what you're capable of. And so it seems like that's a reinforcing problem that, uh, that, that these people need to, to get out of. And what's really interesting, there actually are some people, uh, Christian, that say, hey, well, this problem is systemic. It's cultural. It goes beyond COVID. It's just the way the younger generation is working. You know, you talked about, hey, my, my, my boomer sensitivities, and I know you're a Gen Xer. So, so whether it's Gen Xer or boomer doesn't matter. Um, what, what they're saying is, is that we just want everybody to go back to the office because that's the way we're used to working. And instead, we should just accept the new way of working for the younger generation and just accept that that's, you know, that those are their skills and their strengths. What do you say to that, Christian? Yeah, you know, we had an interesting conversation about this offline before we we started the show. And, And my personal view is that, you know, we as human creatures have evolved over <laughs> thousands of years uh and and in that in that process of our society uh, we we are social creatures we we need and we crave human connection we want to be together look at the explosion in the event space since covid restrictions lifted right uh you know, for for a lot of popular events, it's difficult to get a ticket. Things sell out quickly because people want to congregate together and have uh, experiences with each other. And, and I hear that's even good for your mental health to be at sporting events. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on if your team is winning or losing, I guess. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but we want that and we need that. and And so... You know, the 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 new virtual work has a lot of efficiencies and like you said there's you know opportunities to work independently yeah uh, but uh, at the end of the day we are social creatures and businesses conducted by people with people and so we need to learn how to interact with each other and and work with each other and and as you said those those are the skills that are most lacking and not only as you you know we you pointed out in our conversation before not only are they lacking now but those are the skills that are going to be even more in demand in the coming years right i mean this is this is uh, based on the future of work jobs report 2023 they report that the world economic forum predicts that 14 million jobs in the next five years net uh, will be lost because of technology. So now that's a, that's a net loss. So that's 2% of all jobs. 
So that means they, they predict that 65 million jobs will be created, but 80 some uh, thousand jo jobs will be lost because of, of, of new technology. And so that the jobs that will be left in order to compete this uh, future of work job says that the skills that you need to compete will include analytical thinking. Okay, so that doesn't rule out uh, anything we've talked about. Creative thinking, sometimes that is really required uh, in, in teams and, and working together and building off each other's ideas, although it can be done individually. Leadership and social influence, which is, you know, those are the social skills that those are, that require confidence, that require influencing people. Resilience, flexibility, and agility curiosity and lifelong learning. So these are skills that are going to be needed to compete in this next five years. Then a separate study by Deloitte said that by 2030, two thirds of all jobs will be soft skill intensive. Meaning as technology takes more and more of the, you know, the repetitive tasks, the skills that, that you and I have to have to be successful will be these soft skills, will be communication, will be team performance, will be collaboration. And they specifically state teamwork and collaboration, communication and problem solving, and critical thinking. So those are the soft skills that we have to have. And I think we do a huge disservice if we just say, well, that's the younger generation. We should just let kids be kids and, uh, and accept them for, for the way they are. Now, I'm going to share something that may not be super popular. I just, I'm, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. And I look at the conflict that's happening in Ukraine. And I follow the news every day. It's just something that I, I, I want to know what's happening in that part of the world. I have friends and, you know, on both sides. But I look at the, the appending counteroffensive that's that we keep hearing about and where do you think they're going to attack where the strongest parts of of you know of of the enemy is or the weakest part well you would typically attack at the weakest part attack at the weakest part you and i have talked so often about the importance of strengthening our our weaknesses because that's where we fail <laughs> in our businesses in our just personal development. So those are the areas that we need to work on strengthening. Um, so, because that's where our, our competition can gain advantage over us. Those are just a few thoughts. Well, I think that's absolutely right. You know, one of the things that was mentioned in the article, Spencer, uh, not only was it communication and collaboration, but also networking. Yes, you know, exactly. So people people coming into this workforce because we're in this remote environment or a hybrid environment, the new graduates coming in, the the people just gen, you know entering the workforce have fewer opportunities to network with people and so they they don't have these opportunities to build relationships with people and ultimately uh, relationships are what drive business, right? And 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 so not only do they not have the relationships, they don't know how to build those relationships, which is why these big four firms are spending time training these people on how to network with each other 
And I think it's a huge challenge. You know, it's it's hard coming into a situation where you feel like you're isolated um, and you don't really have any relationships with people because you just see them, you know, an hour or two a week on a screen. And and so you 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 you, you lack those personal connections, you lack those relationships, which ultimately get you where you need to go. I don't know about your career, but I was looking at my career and all but two jobs that I've had in my career, I had because I had a relationship with somebody who introduced me to the company and said, you need to hire this person. You know, so, uh, you know, those relationships, I think are absolutely critical and the, the young workforce is lacking them. Yes, absolutely. Every job I've had came from a referral. Uh, even the clients that I have today, many, most of them are, are referred from other clients. But So let's talk about as we wrap up today, what are some things that businesses can do? Or if you're listening and you want to develop these skills individually, what are a few things that are, are working? And you know what's interesting? You talk about being an entrepreneur and you have to go out and do trade shows. You are forced into talking to, to, to clients and learning those skills. But you also did something uh, interesting. I introduced you to the National Speakers Association and you actually became a member. How has that impacted you? If you could maybe share a thought or two. Well, it was a, it was a huge impact for me. To be completely honest, I had never really, I, I had been members of some national associations before, but never a local chapter like that. Yeah. And I came into there and it, it was a, it was an eye-opening experience. They're, you know, associating with so many people with so much experience, even though I, I didn't come in as a paid professional speaker or even an aspiring speaker. But I just learned so much by by associating with so many really, really interesting people. And the the funny part of it is, is that these people have all kinds of interesting connections. And I've been able to make all kinds of, uh, you know, connections and relationships with people outside of NSA. Uh, and then it's been, you know, selfishly speaking, it's been very fun to see our technology Raconto used by the chapter and the association to run its storytelling competition to, to help with the get paid to speak event that you spoke at last week to get uh, instant reaction, video testimonials from guest speakers and so on and so forth. I mean, that's been, it's been a huge amount of fun and it really opened my world. And I don't know, I don't know if I could have replicated that purely remotely. So you, you know, everyone listening, Christian's a sandbagger because, you know, he came in not as a speaker, yet he wins second place in the storytelling contest with all the speakers. So, um, <laughs> and, and, and so my point is, is that you're around people that do speak. So you get feedback, you learn from others experience you're doing that in person like you talked about having the same experience that you had at ibm with other people that have those skills so joining an organization whether it's toastmasters or 
a, a local national speakers association, somewhere where you have an opportunity to present and speak and receive feedback. Uh, and, and that's honestly, that was really hard for me just because quite honestly, you know, that was hard for my ego because, you know, I, if, if you want to be known as the expert, you know, go talk to experts and get feedback from them. And that's the best way to, to get better. So if you're, if you're willing to be humble and, and learn and grow, that is a wonderful way for you to be able to gain some communication experience. Of course, you could take a communication workshop, make sure that in that there are opportunities to actually role play, uh, be willing to put yourself in a hot seat. When I go work with CEOs, Christian, I tell the, the audience, because these are high-performing executives, I say the skills that I'm going to teach you are so basic that you might overlook them because they're so basic. But every time I, I teach these basic skills and then I put the CEOs in the hot seat, they struggle. They, they, they can't put it together. Why? They've just never practiced some of these soft skills before in a way that is productive. And, and then they realize how hard it is. And it just you just need reps. You need to have repetition doing these things and getting feedback. So I say, those of you who are willing to put yourself in the hot seat are the ones that are going to grow the most. And that means getting uncomfortable. And that's been hard for, I think, this generation is you know, embracing discomfort and embracing a little bit of stress and, and letting that be a, a positive thing to help them grow and learn and develop. So I think that's number one, gaining experiences, uh, joining an organization where you can actually speak or put yourself in a place where you can practice. Number two, you know, get part of, join extracurricular uh, clubs where you have to go out and, and collaborate and work with people, you know, where you have to be able to, you know, whether uh, go volunteer for nonprofit where you have to work to solve a problem. And when you're rubbing shoulders with people, uh, helping problems in your community, I think that's a great place to gain experience. Number three, find someone to give you feedback, whether that's a coworker, that's a mentor or a coach. Ask specifically for feedback on your performance. If you're leading a meeting, if you're making a presentation, ask people. I ask for two things. What did I do well? Because we always want to hear some of those things. And what could I do differently? Make it very, very simple. Did wells do differently? And of course, you don't have to accept all the feedback, but be open. And when someone gives you feedback, Christian, just say thank you. No equivocation, no excuse. Whether you accept that feedback or not, just accept the gift. And if you do that, people will be more willing to give you feedback. If you reject the feedback, then pretty soon people will stop giving you feedback. And that's when it's dangerous that you don't learn or grow. So those are my three suggestions on, on really improving your, your soft skills, your communication, and your collaboration skills. What about you? What I what have you seen work for you? Uh, I I echo all of that. Uh, what I would say, and and this is something that's not necessarily in your control, but if you're presented with opportunities in your work environment, 
to do something that may be a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Be willing to give it a shot. You know, don't, don't turn it down. I, I remember in the Rio 2016 Olympic bid, I was asked to oversee the guarantees, meaning getting all of the guarantees from all the government agencies. Yeah. Well, I'm not an attorney. I'd never done anything like that before. And there was a part of me that was like, <laughs> you know, you could probably find somebody else better to do that. But instead of just saying no, I decided, well, you know, I'll, I'll learn more about it. I asked some questions and I decided to take it on. And, and I learned a lot of skills and built a lot of relationships by taking on that particular assignment. So, you know, just if you're given an opportunity in your organization to do something that's a little bit outside of your comfort zone that will stretch you, then, you know, take that as a welcome vote of confidence in your capabilities and do it. And then, and then uh, if you are finding that you've got some gaps in some areas, uh, do exactly as you said, Spencer, and, and, you know, join a Toastmasters, join an NSA National Speakers Association, uh, volunteer for a nonprofit, do some things, do whatever you need to do to help you uh, build those skills that you're lacking. Uh, but it goes back to the theme that you've harped on for, for a while, which is uh, identifying your strengths and weaknesses and working on those to make you a more complete, uh, well-rounded individual. And, and I think it's such a timely topic, uh, Spencer, and I'm grateful for the opportunity that we had to, to discuss it today. Me too. Yeah, thank you. And I, I love your experience. I actually was thinking about you when uh, I was talking to a, a, another manager who was saying the same thing that you just said, where they took an assignment that, uh, you know, where they were in charge of a whole technical team, but they didn't have a technical bone in their body, and yet they, they were able to succeed. I've done the same thing. I, I had an opportunity to, to do a, 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 a strategic planning with a team. I'd never done that before. I said yes. I studied my my tail off to to make sure that I was able to deliver, and we had a great experience. But I was certainly uncomfortable because that's what it that's what happens when we learn. That's the way we grow and gain gain skills. That's how we make weaknesses strong. Is is putting ourselves in positions where we can develop new talents, new skills, new abilities. So whether you have an internal group of coaches or you need to bring someone in from the outside, it's worth it to help the people on your team develop those skills. They will help pass them on to the next generation. And as you said, Christian, these are, these are demands and, and skills that are going to be in fashion regardless of the generation. They will continue to, to be in demand and, and persist in the future. So we do ourselves a favor by developing them. Anyway, yeah, great topic. And, and thanks for, for, uh, for the great discussion today, Christian. So good to be with you. Well, it's great to be with you. And uh, I hope you recover from this. I don't know what it is, a cold, a bronchitis uh, thing, yeah. <laughs> whatever you've it's got. I hope, I, I hope you continue uh, to recover from that, Spencer. If uh, those who are listening or watching want to learn more about how they can develop these kinds of skills in their organization uh, from 
you know, the line level all the way to the C-suite. Uh, what's the best way for people to reach out and connect with you? I love when people reach out to me on LinkedIn, just Spencer Horn, or you can go to our website, Altium Leadership. That's A-L-T-I-U-M leadership.com. And Christian, how can people learn more about Reconto and what you do in your consulting experience? Uh, feel free to uh, just look me up and connect with me. Just look for Christian Napier on LinkedIn. Uh, you'll find me there. Uh, you can also go to our website, raconto.io. That's R-A-K-O-N-T-O dot I-O. Well, Spencer, thank you uh, once again for another fascinating conversation. Listeners, viewers, please like and subscribe to our podcast, and we'll catch you again soon. Mm -hmm.